Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Brisnet.com PredictiveForm.com preview podcast. Kentucky Derby points on the line in the Gotham Stakes at Aqueduct. Kentucky Oaks points on the line, Santa Isabel at Santa Anita. We'll talk about them both with Danny Zucker of Predictiform. Really a tale of two races, to use the overwrought cliche, uh, with uh, apologies uh, to Charles Dickens. But the Gotham, uh, certainly a more competitive field, uh, Wither Stakes winner Sunny Ridge is back. Uh, Shagaf, Shagaf, however you say it, uh, up-and-comer, uh, morning line favorite, actually. Uh, so that's somewhat interesting. And then uh, a few others looking to stake their claim. And uh, James Scully and I have talked uh, several times, uh, sort of waiting for the, the breakthrough performance, the, the big horse, to assert himself so far this year. We've had some consistent horses. Uh, Nyquist, obviously an undefeated champion. Moeyman, undefeated multiple graded stakes winner. Solid performers. Uh, certainly horses we're excited about, but yet no breakthrough performance, no uh, Sweet Southern Saint style run or even War Emblem, uh, both Illinois Derby winners. Uh, one was a much bigger price in the Derby and one, one ended up being an overbet favorite and lost to Barbara in 06. But uh, those those big horses certainly make uh, the trail more interesting. Not sure we're going to get that out of the Gotham, but regardless, whatever happens will be uh, interesting to watch because next week is Pool 3 of the Kentucky Derby Future Wager. Uh, so we will be uh, wagering on uh, those who perform well as well as some others. Uh, probably be back next week to take a look at that field with Danny, uh, but all eyes on the Gotham from a Derby standpoint this week anyway. And then the uh, Santa Isabel, uh, much different complexion to handicapping that race. Songbird will be 1-10, to 10, rightfully 1-5 to 5 at the very least. Uh, looks to lay over this field. Uh, but big favorites do lose, and when they do, big prices come in. So we'll see if Danny can find any way to go against the undefeated champion Songbird, or maybe the opportunity is in playing her underneath. So we'll see what he has to say, and we'll hear what he has to say right now. Danny, hello. Ed, can you hear me all right? Uh, yeah, I seem all right. Right on. Are you in the channel? I am. I'm actually back on the back on the West Coast in my office at WeWorks, which is a shared office community that I use in Seattle and when I travel around the world. They have offices everywhere, so I love it. they got 26 offices in Manhattan. Nice. All right, and that was not a, a paid spot. We want to make sure uh keep it above board, but always happy to uh <laughs> always happy to support those who support us. I'm drinking a sun kissed uh to to keep my uh mouth from going right, dry right. during this. So. All right. That, that that was not a paid spot. Why is that? No, we um, but we all we all have our uh ways to get the job done and uh some horses looking to get the job done this weekend. Uh yeah, the Gotham yeah. is more interesting from a Needs points standpoint, although Sunny Ridge, his connections uh, until they're blue in the face, keep saying that they're not uh, heck bent on going to the Derby. I'll believe that when I see it if he were to win this weekend. And then we have the Santa Isabel, which really is all about champion Songbird showing up there. Uh, you want to start with the big favorite or the competitive race? 
Now, let's start with the competitive race, and Ed, I really hope that you would recap and, and let everybody know that we had the cold winter the last time we did this, right? Gun something, what was the name of that horse? Gun. Gun runner, yeah, that's that's right. It's been two weeks, and normally it's, it's fresh in my mind, but uh, excellent point, and I mean, really two weeks in a row, and obviously Moeyman isn't really that big a deal to to go on about, but he was listed as the top contender, and he delivered as such, but gun runner, obviously, at uh, five to one or whatever price he ended up being uh, was a great pick, and there were some others on him, and I I was against and was worried about the price you'd get, but gosh, Arrow Force just took a crazy amount of money, and uh, Gun Runner absolutely was, was value if you liked him, so yeah, well done. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we talk about the value plays all you know, sometimes I actually personally, for the most part, you know, we go that direction. But from time to time, you'll hear me split off and more so in the next race um, than this race. But, yeah, this is a this is actually a pretty good and competitive field in here. Uh, and I think it's going to be a pretty good betting race as well. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a good group. And I'm hoping we, we learn something. I mean, even if it's, you know, Shaga for or Sunny Ridge or as advertised, uh, I'd be fine with that because I think you're going to have to earn it in this group. Uh, it does appear that Mo Power is going to run on Sunday uh, in an allowance race. Uh, Johnny V was named on Mo Power, and he's uh, at golf stream on Saturday as well. So all points, uh, all signs point to him scratching. So we'll keep that in mind as we go through the field. Uh, we'll start from the rail. Sure. Yep. Uh, so Loban starts things off and, uh, you, you know, to me is one of those horses, oh, silence Larry there, uh, one of those horses that uh, is just okay. Uh, you know, it's hard for me to, to see him making a, a big uh, a big push without a move forward, but it's that time of year. Still, I'm looking elsewhere even with the gaudy price. What do you think? Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm rerunning the race right now, taking out both power. Uh, from a value play perspective, we has we have Loban as a an average horse. Um, you know, again, he's got that just from a figure perspective, he's got a very slow compression line first out. You look at his first out, but against everybody else's, it was only 65. He then followed up with a double top when he didn't win, and then he regressed at Santa Anita, but now he ships cross country. Uh, I, I think he's not competitive in this field. Yeah, and uh, I didn't even mention that he's actually a maiden. Uh, Stakes place last out, but the horse he was behind, actually both of them that he was behind, had both come back, and neither has run all that well. So the sham, uh, not exactly looking like a key race either. So uh, low bond, low in our list for sure. Uh, number two is uh, Shagath. Uh, I think that's how you say it. Something really awkward with that for some reason. But uh, undefeated in two starts on Brisnet, he did take a step backward. Uh, in that entry-level allowance at Gulfstream. He gets two turns now, though, Bernardini out of an unbridled song, so that should help. Uh, Chad Brown, always the type who's going to attract money. Uh, but I think he might be overbet in this spot, despite the obvious talent. What do you think? Uh, yeah, hold on a second. I'm just looking at some history there. So he, from, uh, like, I guess there's one runner on the track, Dave Garbea, uh, sister who's doesn't have done much. Like from a figure perspective, uh, Sagaf, Shagaf ran good first out compression line and followed up with a soft win. It looks like both of the races the horse wasn't used 
need to win this race, um, I think, to point him in the right direction of running at the, at the Breeders' Cup. I'm not sure that – I'm sorry, the Derby. I don't know if this is his breakout place. Yeah. In other words, I'm not sure if this is where he's going to run his monster race. He's obviously got something big sitting inside him. We have him – it's funny. We have him as actually a breakout candidate soft win. I think that's – I think at some point he's going to break out and he's going to run a monster race. This might be the, this might be the spot or it might not be. Uh, from a value perspective, he's a little more interesting if he can get – where he's at right now, I just don't see that happening. Getting a, a three to one, if he's likely eight to five or something, probably uh, he would be a pass. I mean, he get he look at the tote board at his last out. He got banged pretty hard both times, but going off at ninety cents to the dollar, you would expect him to be like maybe the favorite in here. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. And you know, with the scratch of, of Mo Power, who yeah, would have taken yeah. some money, certainly not as much as this, but uh, three to one. Very unlikely now, and yeah, I'm with you as the favorite. Just seems a, a touch over bet, but there is hope. I mean, like you said, maybe the breakout's coming, and if it's not in this race, if he finishes an okay second or third, shows some improvement, maybe it's next time, and you do get that better price in a race like the Wood Memorial or the Bluegrass. Yeah. So, fair watching, and, 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 but probably not betting at this price. I, I would agree, and actually, if you think about that, you bring up a good point. The way Chad, you know, Chad, having had horse with Chad for many, I had horses with Chad now for five years before he became as popular as he he is now. He always talked about a two-race cycle. So he looks at races in pairs. You take a look at your first two races, and I think that's a really good indication. I would imagine right now he's looking at the wood. And uh, so for him in here, this is not necessarily a bust must win kind of a race. If you win this race, you're not going to have enough points. How many points do you get in this race? You, know? you get 50, so winning gets you in for sure. Okay, so winning gets you in. So, yeah, so so even running second probably gets you pretty close. Um, but in terms of purse and handle, I would think that uh, this would be a good spot to set his horse up to run really big at the next race. But uh, – Price is a dissuader for for this one for me. All right, yeah, we're we're in agreement there. Uh, next is Adventist uh, made the joke on Twitter that he's tough to bet during Lent and on a Saturday, uh, but here he is. I know Frank Anks of the Blood Horse uh, likes this one quite a bit. Was third behind Sunny Ridge, last out. Like Shagif is making his third career start. One is maiden by eleven. Uh, you know, certainly showed some some ability last out. Likes to be close to the pace. Bullet work uh, heading into this for Lee Jaramati. Uh Gets Kendra Carmouche, uh, jockey who knows the the inner route well. Uh, to me, needs to move forward, and I'm not sure four to one is the right price to take it. Wouldn't surprise, but not a big contender for me. What do you think? Yeah, he so he. His first out was a negative, but you look at that race, he ran an 84 furlong figure in his first out, which is, I'm just looking through this. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the fastest four furlong figure on the map here. So he's run the fastest four furlong figure of any of these horses. Uh, from a value play perspective, we have him as average. But if you were to go, and look at the value plays for the average four furlong figure, he would be second in here. So he's probably got more speed 
often you might see uh, indicated in the PPs, at least from a figure perspective, we would tell you that. Like, I don't know. He, I, I like that. I like that reversal pattern. He's showing a, a good uh, ability to rate. He's kind of like eh for me. I yeah, like and that. at four yeah. to one, eh, just isn't. Yeah, it's not not where uh, it's not the price you want when uh, you're making those sort of guttural noises. Uh, yeah. The next yeah. horse, though, is figures to be the longest shot on the board, certainly by morning line. And I'm very interested to to hear your take because on Brisnet. Uh, the last race was was not good. Uh, Ford beat nine lengths, never really in it after showing a little, as we put. Uh, but before that, he popped a hundred in that state bred entry allowance race. His maiden win wasn't that bad. Eighty five is pretty good for out of the box. That happened on Breeders' Cup Saturday at Belmont. Uh, three to five, and then seven to ten in his next two starts. Burn money last out. Uh, but to me, at it, twenty to one, he's He's shown enough that maybe he's the one you want crashing the exotic. Uh, what, do you, what do you make of his chances? So my, my friend Lewis back on the East Coast, on, back in New York, would say, Rudy the Juicer. And, I mean, if you, <laughs> if you look at this horse, how you go off, he goes off 7-1. Just look at his odds. He goes off at 7-1, first out, wins. Then burns everybody. Then comes and runs a monster race and then regresses. Um he he ran a. Can you hear me all right, Ed? Yes. Uh, he ran a seventy-five final figure. Um, is on July thirty-first. It's the fastest final figure in this entire race. So he's got the fastest race in here from a figure perspective. Like um, he 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 really regressed his last out. I mean, he regressed. Seven points on the top and seven points on the bottom, which is not surprising after running a double top. Like if he were to move forward back to a seventy, which is I think what he he, it's logical that he would do that. He's got a couple seventies in there. Um, I don't think he's good enough to hit the board, but you know with Rudy and the way he had these horses and uh, you know if he were to go, I would say if he were to go back to his race too bad. He could be competitive, but, uh, you know, I just see him heading in the wrong direction. All right. Well, that's certainly understandable. I mean, that that last race was definitely a, a big move back. It was his slowest of four career yeah. starts. So, uh, you know, even, even if that's the valley, uh, it's a big one to dig out of. But he will be a big price. I probably yep. won't re- be able to resist using him underneath uh, the top two choices, just as sort of a favorite insurance, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, tough to like on top. Yeah, Number I mean, five, low powers. No, I'm sorry. If, if I, I, I mean, he's not a, a – there's value in him in that he's going to be a really big long shoot. So uh, we have him as the fourth pick here in the uh, – well, yeah, fourth pit, and you know, I don't know that it'll be twenty to one with the scratch, but fifteen to one, and I mean, he'll be the the longest shot. So there's always uh, some intrigue there. Uh, as I said, Mo Power is coming out. His outside number six, Conquest Big E, uh, disappointed in his two tries against Solid Company, was eighth in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. 
I liked him a little bit that day at 14 to one, uh, and then was fourth in the Holy Bull. Really, no match for uh, Moe Men, uh, who went on to win the Fountain of Youth. Uh, this group definitely not to either of those races level. Uh, so I know some people sort of like him on the class relief. I'm a little concerned uh, with his fast track efforts. Uh, he's 0 for 3. Uh, two wins have both come on the swap. Uh, now he ships in here. Mark Cassie seems to be the type that's getting over bet lately. Uh, I just worry about the final price on this one, but he wouldn't shock me, but he's not one that I'm going to go to the, the mat with. How about you? From a figure perspective, he's the most consistent runner in the field. He's run 73s and 74s his last four races at a bunch of different tracks at eight, eight, eight and a half furlongs. Uh, but my problem with, with Conquest Big E is more so just about watching the tote board. And if you look at the horse, like, I don't use the PPs, very, very rarely do. In this case, you could see that the three times he ran well, he was alive on the tote board. So I would let the tote board do most of the talking for him. He's going to be less than six to one morning line because there's less horses. I would establish his morning line odds is about four to one. So I think if you see this horse at like seven to two, three to one, or five to two, that indicates he's getting bet and would be worth a serious look. Um, on paper, I think we have him as maybe our second choice in here. From a, uh, yeah, we have him as our second choice in the French contend here. All right. Well, we will certainly be watching the tote board. So it sounds like you would prefer Conquest Big E to Adventus, though? Uh, I guess, yeah. Uh, I, and I do think Adventus will take more money than Conquest Big E, so it's, that's sort of why I asked. Uh, no, Sunny Ridge? So. Uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't think so, Ed. I don't think so. You don't? No, I don't. I don't. Well, All I right. guess I would say this. Takes money, then I have more interest in him than if he doesn't. I mean, if you just look at his race history and it tells you about Cassie, he's got three races where he goes off his... Um, you know, big favorites and runs very, very well. A couple races he didn't, he got no action. So I think if you see the horse sitting at six to one on the tote board, I would definitely got that. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I would caution in the Holy Bull, Moeyman was two to five, so that four point nine to one was actually some some pretty good backing. Um, uh, you know, he, he may have even been second choice over Greenpoint Crusader. I'm not sure, but. Uh, yeah, hard to ignore the the wins at eleven to ten and seven to ten for sure. Uh, Sunny Ridge, uh, Cold Trainer Jason Service, who has done well in the past on the inner, only has three wins from fifty two starts at the meet. One of those was with Sunny Ridge in the river uh, in the rivers in the withers. Uh, Manny Franco sticks aboard, uh, comes back to ride this one again. Connection say Derby really not in the forefront of their minds, but he is uh, certainly bound for a Triple Crown race. It sounds like with the Haskell, the ultimate goal. Not something you hear too often this time of year, but Dennis Drazen's a, a big New Jersey guy. Uh, so I guess my concern is what's the, the point in this race? Is he going to be cranked? Do they need to win it if they're not thinking Derby? Uh, all of that sort of on my mind. Uh, not really sure what to make of it, but I do think he's the best horse in the race. I like the withers. The Delta jackpot was okay. Uh, what do you make of this one's chances? We have Sunny Ridge as our top contender in this race now that Mo Power scratched. So we would have him as our top pick. For, for me, personally, I'm you're pretty lukewarm on the race. I guess he would be 
playable horse in here. Uh, but again, yeah, he's going to be a pretty short price. Uh, he's seven to two before the scratch, so he he's going to be your fourth favorite, your most unfavorite. What do you think? Maybe maybe the two, maybe him and Shattered can go back and forth. Yeah, I mean that Eric. Uh, I appreciate him putting his neck out. He he did make the two an actual morning line favorite, three to one. Sunny Rich seven to two. But you know, with the scratch, uh, the the money's gonna maybe be spread around. But to me, that makes. I think now we're looking at you know nine to five and two to one, maybe two to one and five to two. They're they're going to be close for sure. I mean, he's earned half a million dollars, which is more the entire than the entire field combined. So I would imagine that that to itself will make him the favorite. But just saying that out loud, though, that's a very positive sign, of course, that earns for the entire field. Yeah, but, uh, well, the Delta jackpot certainly helped there. But uh, to me, just going even going back to October, the, the runner-up in the Champagne at, at a big, big price, uh, you know, Started flashing some talent and exaggerator. Uh, you know, he's chased Nyquist a couple of times, but he's on a lot of people's list as maybe one that's going to go forward as the distances increase. He was only a neck behind him at Delta in what was a fast race. So, uh, to me, he's definitely the most likely winner. Anything less than five to two, I'm not as excited. But if he were five to two or higher, I'd, I'd say that's fair value for me. You're not getting the you don't think so? No, we'll see. No. Are you starting to drink already? <laughs> Some kiss. <laughs> that brings us to Rally Cry Fire Outside, uh, Paul Pompa, who was co-owner of uh, Big Brown uh, back in 08 when he won the Derby and Preakness. This horse, though, with Todd, uh, another Uncle Mo. Uh, there were three entered in the race. Only two will go with Mo Power scratching. Uh, this this one has had some interest from people. Uh, certainly the third at nine to ten uh, behind the aforementioned uh, Shagif, uh early or earlier at Gulfstream, both shipping up here, I think is interesting. Uh, another one of those that maybe you know he breaks through, and I'm not going to be shocked if Todd Pletcher wins a Kentucky Derby prep race. But just just to me, hasn't shown where I'm going to enough where I'm going to stick my neck out at a short price. What do you think? Yeah, who the hell knows is what I think. What I think is the only people that could actually bet on this horse are the people that bet him at uh, four to five and lost both both outs and they're shopping for a price down to get him out of get him out of that uh, that two race bang. But I mean, just look at look at the way the horse got bet, and this horse has burned a lot of money. Um, when you burn money like that, there tends to be interest when the horse floats up like four or five to one. Who knows? I mean, we have him in a value play as an average contender, so probably not likely to improve. But he's one of four or five in here that if they run, somebody's going to run a breakout race. And what I like about this race is there's about, you know, I think Sonny Ridge could run a breakout race. I don't think Conquest Big E is going to break out. I think he's going to be steady. So the only way he wins is if nobody runs a breakout race. Vincento could, though unlikely. Shagus likely could. Adventist, I don't think so, and Rally Cry could. So there's maybe four horses that could run a lifetime top and then for this. But I, I would bet, actually, the best bet I would make would be winner wins by open lengths here. Open lengths, wow. All right. That's, that's bold. Uh, well, speaking not- of uh, open lengths, we'll uh, go over to the Santa Isabel. 
uh, and Songbird. And I guess the big question is, uh, it's A, a race we don't really need to go through the whole field, but is there any, do you have any look against her at one to five, or are you looking more who could complete the exacta? Well, I'm actually, and the reason I picked the race because uh, you, you you texted me and asked me what race I wanted to what wanted to look at uh, is I think that uh, there's two exactus here. I mean, maybe I would reverse them for a little bit. No, but I really think Songbird walks over the field that there's real value here for second. Uh, well, who who is it? Uh, I, my dynamo for me uh, on the rail is probably the horse I'm most interested in because I think she'll be the fourth or fifth choice. Uh, I think Street Fancy will take too much money because she's a grade one winner, uh, but to me just looks too slow. Uh, and Landover C and Code Warrior are two I like, but I think, I mean, I think those exactas are going to pay five or six bucks, and maybe the one with my dynamo will be ten to one or more. Uh, so that's where I'm at. How about you? Yeah, so, well, I'm glad you, you know, you mentioned all of those horses, but I'm, I'll just pull the race up. All right. So for me, I think uh, it's a two-horse race for second. And this is purely looking at the, and analyzing the figures. The first one would be not now Caroline, the nine-horse I like this figure of uh, a negative pattern, 63, a double top, 65, and then a forward move reversal to 71 with a win at Santa Anita. So the horse, she basically you know, runs two, what I would consider clunkers, followed by a really good race that all of a sudden now elevates her into this kind of company that was a baby. Uh, I do like the fact that Eric Gouliet, who couldn't train the dog to roll over, uh, the horse leaves that bar and goes goes to the Sormo. Uh, and it's interesting, of course, that Kent was on the horse before, so I'm sure it was like Keith said to Kent, hey, what do you think of this horse, or the other way around. My guess is it was probably a private sale. But there's something interesting about not now, not now Caroline from a figure perspective. You know, you run two neg- a negative and a double top, two really bad figures. You usually have a race in there without a figure. So the fact that she came back and ran a positive figure in what was a pretty good final figure of 71 is a really good sign. So not male Caroline is one choice. The other one is to be outside Mocat. thing I like about Mocat is uh, his race. So, so you can't do much with grass races turning back to turf in a, in a race like this with younger horses that haven't really shown anything. And, yeah, the three grass races are good, but... Uh, well, can only one one of the three horses. So what I what I like to do in this case is just try to look at the dirt races. And what I, what I found interesting about his most recent dirt race beginning of January was he ran a, a, a new pace top. It's actually called a, a delayed pace top because the race following it was turf and he's yet to come back on dirt. But if you look at that performance of 68 uh, with a with the four furlong figure of 73, that was a new pace top lifetime performance. It's a really good race, a positive race. He came back and went, ran a consistent final figure of 71 on the turf. Uh, he moves to change his jockeys. Uh, 
to Pratt, who we know is very good and he handles horses very well. Richard Baltus is a pretty solid trainer. He draws the outside, which is not ideal. Uh, but I do think that, uh, you know, given the outside post, what I, what I do like about the outside post is a pretty good value. And in, in these walkover races or races where horses win by open lengths, it really neutralizes the field. Now, I think Landover C is going to get lots of action. If he runs back to where he was or she was, he could probably run second. I guess maybe he would be one horse that I think could beat Songbird, but short of beating Songbird, uh, which I think is a difficult thing to do, I like 6'9 and 6'10 in this San Isabel. All right, and I think uh, I think that, like I said, I think Street Fancy is going to be way over that underneath, so I, I do think there's opportunity, and I'm glad we had the uh, – chance to talk about the race. Uh, one thing I would point out for this race that I like, uh, I used it and uh, always offers this option as well, which is kind of cool. Uh, but when you have a big favorite, uh, sometimes I'll scratch them out uh, and then rerun the race and, and see what spits out. Uh, I don't always like to do that uh, just because running styles, uh, obviously you need them in the race to sort of uh, and always does account for pace, but considering Songbird uh, is going to go to the lead and they're not going to catch her, uh, she's just faster than everyone. If for whatever reason that didn't happen, it would be chaotic anyway, but I'm comfortable uh -huh. just Xing her out for handicapping purposes, kind of figuring there'll be a race behind her within a race. Uh, and, again, that's sort of where I think Street Fancy just doesn't measure up. And uh, you know, gives gives you an option with a not now Carolyn or a my dynamo and uh to me I think the exacta pools might offer some value. Yeah, I mean I agree. And if you can get either the two or three out of there, that'd be the shorter choices you might get eight or nine or ten to one for a couple of these. So that's that's a good point. Yeah. I guess rerunning the race yeah. that we have land over sea and code. Yeah. And one thing uh, interesting, uh, even if you don't X her out, I put in 1 to 10 as her odds, and, and she was still the top contender. So uh, pretty incredible to, to be the, you know, so-called value play at 1 to 10. I don't, <laughs> I personally don't know anyone who, who bets those horses, but they're out there. They're 1 to 10 for a reason, uh, and she will be uh, Saturday 1 to 5 at the absolute very least. Uh, so be fun to watch and have a little money on who finishes second. Are you guys are you guys doing your your uh, pool this? Yeah, you're doing it this t tomorrow, right? Uh, well, we have a the Rainbow Six going on. It's this. It, I mean, it's all week. Yeah. Right, but are you doing a um, uh, players pool for the Rainbow Six? Uh, yeah, but it, it's it's going it's every day this week, not just tomorrow. Uh huh. Uh huh. Do you want any insight from me? Well, I'll always take insight. Well, I mean, how can you look at this? It's just chalked out at Gulfstream. It's going to pay like $6. <laughs> yeah, today, uh, today's today been pretty chalky. The the first three races of the pick three, it paid uh, uh, like 3 to 1, $3.80 yeah, so for a dollar. Yeah. yeah. That's, well, you know, but prices will come eventually. So I was reading they are the they are forcing it out on uh, March 26th. So uh, for those who like to, assuming it doesn't get hit by then, uh, there will be a massive uh, must-win payout on the 26th. 
And what is um, how much money are they is going into it each day at this point? They handle uh, between two hundred fifty and four hundred thousand. A day, so you would figure today is going to go to two seven five, which means that tomorrow will be more than three million, right? Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, only I forget what the percentage is. I think it's thirty percent goes to the jackpot. So, uh, but still, I mean, you're you know looking at seventy five to one hundred twenty five thousand a day being added on. Uh, oh yeah, that's a good point. Still, that's. That's pretty significant. It would be something else if this thing carried over all the way to uh, all the way to the final. Though I do, it does remind me of the last last year, um, the Rainbow Six wasn't hit, wasn't hit, wasn't hit. They were marketing it for the Florida Derby game the last day of the year, of course. The day before the Florida Derby, a guy came in and hit it for like six million dollars, right? Yeah, Dan Borslow. Uh, I think he yeah. bought four of the races and. Went went deep in the other two and and took it down and he died a few months later. And I don't know what the moral of the story is, but I I'm sure that there's one there. <laughs> so it's definitely interesting though that yeah the last day you know right before the 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 payout everyone was excited and then poof it's gone and he's gone too. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it does tell you, and you guys are taking the right approach, that you cannot, you have to play every day. At this point, if you're playing, you have to play every day. You can't sit out a day and hope that somebody gets it. That's just, uh, that's even crazier than playing every day. Right. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think there's some interesting game theory. I mean, people complain about the amount of money that goes out of circulation on a daily basis, but I do think some of these bigger tickets, the players pool included, most okay. times, uh, spreads much bigger than they ever would in a regular pick six. And, you know, I mean, if you wanted to play the favorites today and play them multiple times, you're probably going to do a lot better than in the pick three or pick four pools uh, because of the way the money gets spread out. So uh, I'll be interested to see what the this ends up paying today and measuring it against the pick four and pick five. Which I know you will do. All right, my friend. I'll catch up with you over the week. All right. Appreciate the insight. Uh, again, uh, that's the, the Gotham uh, Saturday. Santa Isabel also on Saturday, and we'll be back next week. Tampa Bay Derby, San Felipe, Derby Future. Lots going on, lots to discuss. Looking forward to getting Danny's thoughts as always, uh, and hopefully we'll have some more winners to crow about. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you next week.